Welcome to the Anthro to UX podcast, where you will learn how to break into UX with an anthropology degree. Through conversations with leading anthropologists working in user experience, you will learn firsthand how others made the transition, what they learned along the way, and what they would do differently. We will be discussing what it means to do UX research from a practical perspective and what you need to do to prepare a resume and portfolio. I'm your host, Matt Arts, a business anthropologist specializing in design anthropology and working at the intersection of product management, user experience, and business strategy. Let's get started. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Anthro to UX podcast. I'm here today with Victoria de Aranzetta, and she is uh, interesting. has an interesting story in that she started in the arts, made her way to anthropology, and unlike many people on the podcast, it has spent uh, a lot of time in the design space, but not in just in the design research space, but in the sort of product design space, if you will. And so we'll be talking a little bit about how, you know, anthropology can also apply to the production of assets and not just contributing from a research perspective. She's currently the uh, senior product designer at NCX. So Victoria, uh, thanks for joining. And would you mind telling everybody a little bit about yourself? Yeah, thanks so much, Matt. Thanks for having me. Um, Yeah, so I began as an illustrator and graphic designer. Um, originally went to pre-college and college for that at Rhode Island School of Design at RISD and, and Ringling College. So while I was studying and practicing art and design, I learned a lot about the power of storytelling, as many artists and designers do, um, and learned about its critical importance as who we are as humans. And I ended up taking a few courses on ancient art history um, and a couple of anthropology courses that were really focused on you know, art and storytelling. And from that moment that I cracked open those books and started to watch some of the, the course uh, curricula, I, I was totally hooked. Um, I knew that anthropology was something I wanted to dive deeper into. And learning about storytelling from a cultural lens was, it really clicked for me then. Uh, so I was super fascinated with how humans and our ancestors have been using storytelling, design, and art um, in really unique ways for well over 40,000 years. Um, and it has a lot of power to convey meaning and ideas, perspective, stories, values, um, information, and more. And so after that, I ended up pivoting to anthropology, cultural anthropology, uh, and archaeology. And so I focused on mostly decolonizing museums, uh, field archaeology, and also studying uh, Western Basque uh, diaspora. Um, worked for a field about uh, for uh, worked as a field archaeologist for about eight years um, in the Pacific Northwest learning about uh, tool use and evolution, um, getting a lot of interesting experience as an archaeologist, um, helped me understand how people have been creating and using tools in different ways for thousands and millions of years as our ancient ancestors, and helping them do things easier, you know, how to um, you know, get from A to B in the easiest way possible, and how those tools really evolved with them. And I've taken that from archaeology and applying it now to how people think and behave with digital and physical st- tools, spaces, and, and experiences. Um, didn't know all this training would prepare me for UX, um, but it's really just kind of fit, fit really well together. So when you were pivoting to anthropology, did you at that time think you were leaving art behind in a sense from like a career perspective? I did. I was a little bored <laughs> drawing a lot of still life. <laughs> um, you know, you can only do so much, so many apples and, and skulls. <laughs> um, and so I, I did think that I was going to leave it behind as a, as a career and thought that anthropology and, and more academia was going to be 
um, something I was going to focus more into, more on like the storytelling, visual side of anthropology. But um, yeah, I definitely wasn't expecting to end up back in the space, but it was kind of a natural fit um, that really met both of my two loves of, of anthropology and, and design. Yeah, and of course, I can see how the study of tools directly contributes to what you're doing today. But where in your journey did you actually start to put the pieces together and realize, uh, you know, that there is a way to practice, you know, in industry like the way you're doing today? Yeah, I was uh, in school, and I think um, an interesting part of being in academia, which I'm sure many anthropologists will will feel, is that. There's not really a lot of different career choices that are discussed other than being in academia or doing a lot of you know, field work or research, um, archaeology. And so I started, uh, I sort of mentioned that I was doing a lot of decolonizing design research and, and working in that space a little bit, um, as well as you know, field archaeology. But the first project that I really did that kind of set me on this path uh, was during uh, school. And I was doing a redesign of a museum flow using decolonizing theory. Uh, so I was using a lot of different research methods, like ethnographic research, competitive analysis, uh, lots of surveys. And I didn't know it at the time, but I was following the design process um, and exploring service design of physical spaces. And I really loved what I was doing, getting into the creative you know, wireframing, what a museum flow would look like, how people would move through the space, how they'd be feeling, how they'd be interacting with it. Um, and so I started to do a little deep internet search and try and figure out what it was I was doing. Um, because at the time, no professor, uh, nobody I was in, in school with really knew what that was. Um, and so I found out, I think from a random Indeed post that a company was looking for anthropologists. Um, I just did a, a search for anthropology and UX came up, uh, UX design. And that was kind of an accidentally finding that term and finding that that was something that I could dive into. Um, so I just dove in deeper from there and kept trying to learn about what I could do uh, to keep doing this. And um, that really just set me off on a path of learning and getting more experience in the field. And would you mind sharing, like situating us, what, what year was that? Uh, that was around 2013. Yeah, so pretty early. I mean, I know in California, you know, that obviously there's, there's a good concentration, but still pretty early for, you know, for, compared to the the frenzy that's around anthropologists going into UX today. Definitely. And so as you were getting into that space and you were bringing this sort of anthropological mindset, were you seeing an appreciation for that perspective at that time? I don't think that I was. Thinking back on it, I, I think there was a little bit of pushback, um, especially from, I'd say, professors in academia, and they just couldn't see um, how that can fit into the space. Like, I don't see how that really aligns with with ux um it it felt like some most of it was around psychologists and you know getting a lot of psychologists uh, in that space and the anthropology had a little bit harder time digging in there um, than others like sociology which i feel like is a little bit more of a natural fit for some people in the ux space um, but anthropology has so much value that can offer to to UX, especially on the design side, which I think is sometimes overlooked um, because people don't have design background or maybe they don't know how to draw, but I don't think that you really need to, to have that skill um, as a start out as a UX designer. Yeah, boxes and circles. 
Absolutely. <laughs> we got Figma. <laughs> so yeah, tell us a little bit about that. From your perspective, you know, how does anthropology directly contribute to, you know, designing something with intention and producing, you know, something that's in physical form or digital, but nonetheless sort of like an asset, if you will? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think the the biggest benefit of being an anthropologist in and working in product designs uh, specifically and UX design is understanding people and wanting to think about people first and really understand, you know, from from my cultural background, cultural anthropology is really understanding how culture and values, beliefs um, does play a part in how people interact with the world and view things and, and do things. And, you know, there's a lot of other parts of, of behavior, people's behaviors, not just culture, but um, that, that's a really big key is sometimes UX designers forget about the people. <laughs> um, it's more about the problem and how it impacts people. But I, I've chatted with some other anthropologists who do UX design, and they're always thinking from an equity perspective, like really thinking about, okay, well, how is the problem impacting someone from getting their goal done? And really thinking bigger about the problem. Okay, why is the problem here in the first place? You know, maybe it's um, like a previous company I worked at was working in healthcare and, and healthcare equity. Um, so we were stepping back and saying, okay, well, what's the big problem of healthcare equity is, you know, systemic racism in healthcare. And how is that impacting someone from getting good healthcare and getting care that they need? And so that's, I think, a really great thing that anthropology and anthropologists can bring to UX design is thinking big scope about the problem to then dive in deeper. Um, I mean, we're all about people. <laughs> so that's the, the number one. And how that really relates to, you know, from thinking about people doing the research and do a lot of UX research as well and design research um, to then get to the designs. Um, you know, I learned Figma. I was already pretty familiar with design tools like Illustrator, but like you said, it's just boxes and circles. And you can start doing UX design with just a pen and paper, sketching out some ideas, drawing a couple you know, boxes, writing some words in them, um, just to get the idea out. Maybe you're not the UI designer. Um, I do that currently on my job, but it's, it's something that I think is, is pretty easy uh, with the tools we have now. Uh, maybe for someone who's not a designer, I think it's, there might be a learning curve, but it's, it's I think it's a little easier to get into nowadays uh, with all these tools. Yeah, and not just um, you know, not just interfaces, but as going back to your earlier point about service design, you know, and the assets that would get produced as part of that, which are you know maybe even arguably uh, easier in many ways, as there's just sort of less interconnectivity between multiple screens and the interactions. Um, you know, personas even right would be you know in a sense to have a design aspect to them, if you will. Um, but just getting kind of comfortable producing assets like that that contribute to the overall you know, sort of UX process or service design process. Yeah, absolutely. You know, personas, you know, anthropology, again, I think we're pretty familiar with that, <laughs> like creating something like that and like doing a lot of ethnographic research and, um, you know, focusing again on the person and not just, and, and understanding not to just put a fake picture and a fake name and some fake demographics about how Bill likes to mow the lawn on the weekend, which doesn't really impact the, the product at all. Um, you know, I think that's a, a great Easy to easy to learn. Uh, there's a lot of so many articles out there about personas and creating them from an equity lens and making sure that they're centered on people and problem and and you know the solution how that's going to help their jobs to be done get done. 
Um, you know, personas, definitely a key part of a, of an asset, you know, deliverable, um, as well as story mapping, journey mapping, you know, understanding the journey, the ups and downs people are feeling um, as they interact with the product, something that, you know, like participatory observation. And then again, you know, like another big key of anthropology is observing and, you know, really participating, like participatory design is a huge part. Um, of the UX design process for me and really including people in the process to make sure that they feel that it's for them and built with them. And that's another great thing that anthropologists can bring. We already have that skill. Um, it just applies in a slightly different way. You're just making like a PDF asset. Maybe it's a, a wireframe on Figma. Um, there's so many templates out there to use to do that. Um, I think those are the really key, you know, kind of components I had to learn. I dove into the process and it was, it was pretty seamless um, being able to apply anthropology to that. Yeah. And for anybody listening, you know, just getting a Miro account will give you access to most templates that will be discussed today, if not all, uh, as well as many others. But so the, um, let's just break down the word design though, because I think probably the majority of people that I run into, when they hear the word design, they instantly think of like today, at least in a modern context, like user interfaces, especially if it's in a broader UX conversation. You know, and so they really think what something looks like as opposed to how something functions. Um, and so what do you, you know, how would you define design out, you know, for all the listeners out there? I mean, it's hard because, I mean, by the time we see it, interact, interact with it, it's a finished product, you know, like down to the chair that was designed with, you know, our, our bodies, you know, like evolution in mind um, to the, the glass that I'm drinking out of. They're all really designed um, to fit a purpose, an experience, um, to fit a certain person. And I think that's difficult to kind of remove the, the final visual from it because it's definitely a key part but it's only one component of it um you know ux is really especially ux design um and not you know kind of removing ui design from that ux design is really focused on the purpose of it um the reason it has to exist uh why does this chair have to be shaped like that why is it shaped like that really getting down to the why instead of you know how it looks at the end um it's tough to define it as such a it's kind of removing the UI from it because I do both. And so they're really they're really part of it's really part of a whole for me, the visual. Um, it's tough to to see it, <laughs> to see the experience because we do get the final product. So I think that's a little difficult, but really getting into the process when you get into the UX design and actually see how it's built up of wireframes and, you know, lots of documentation, um, pieces of parts of and thinking of experience and edge cases. What happens if this, you know, this breaks or what happens if this person does that? Um, you know, there's a lot of thinking that goes into, you know, grocery carts and pot plants and <laughs> plant pots and things like that. So for somebody who's getting, who might be interested, where do you think would be like a good place for them to start exploring how they could express their design jobs? You know, I would say just to start exploring, uh, you know, there's so many Slack channels out there. Um, that's kind of where I started was 
just doing a quick internet search and trying to find, you're typing in like UX design or UX research, Slack comes up with so many options. You know, I've, I'm in a few uh, that are really research focused, like, you know, ethnography hangout or research ops, um, mixed methods is another great one. And there's a lot of designers in there too, um, because you know, designers do, do research as well. And so um, that was kind of a great starting point for me just to see what people were talking about, how they were talking about things, um, what were common questions coming up. And I felt really comfortable in those communities to ask questions that were probably seemed kind of stupid, um, but everyone has been so welcoming in them. And I use them all the time to ask questions that I don't know um, answers to. And, and there's so many like mentors in there, um, people who want to be mentors, people who are, um, who are professional mentors. And so it's a really great pr place to find a mentor and also just ask questions and network, build community, learn from others, get portfolio feedback and start to learn how to build a portfolio. Uh, if that's something you want to do, um, you know, Discord is another place uh, that I've seen a few groups pop up, especially for design. I think there's one called Design Buddies and Iterate UX, which are full of designers and uh, researchers, um, some junior, senior, you know, a lot of different levels in there. And so it's just a really great place to find community and network. Um, that's where I started. And it was really helpful uh, for me just to figure out this vast space and like where I wanted to dive into, um, dive into next. Um, other than that, so many YouTube, you know, I, I didn't do um, like any of these UX design programs. And, um, you know, I, I don't think that people need to feel that they have to do that. If they want to do that, that's great. Um, I didn't do that. So I, I don't think that I would recommend you know, doing that because I don't know <laughs> the outcome. Um, but I, I do know a lot of people who've done those kind of design programs and they've had really great success with them and, and felt it was supportive. So I think just kind of figuring out what works for you, how you want to learn, what kind of support system, you know, you want and need, um, to kind of dive into this space. It's not scary once you get in here. <laughs> Speaking of learning, you know, if so, imagine a scenario where there's, you know, somebody who has say a bachelor's in anthropology. And they're trying to think of what's next for them. And maybe they're considering an advanced degree in anthropology. Do you think they should consider something else? Um, maybe not like, you know, the formal visual arts, but maybe like human computer interaction or some, you know, some adjacent discipline. Uh, and I ask that, you know, considering that you have both and like yourself, I have, you know, sort of a mixed background. Um, so I'd be curious to get your input on how you think, you know, that, that those sort of multiple perspectives has contributed for you. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, you know, I, I think human-computer interaction is definitely a great one. Um, I see that growing so much. And I think now with all the, just the technology and the way, you know, humanity's been going for, for quite a while is that we're going to, you know, need a lot more understanding of human-computer interaction. Um, but that being said, I, I think there's still a lot of value in, in getting like a, you know, higher education too, like going master's, you know, PhD in anthropology. Um, but maybe if someone's interested in, in pivoting into like the UX space, maybe focusing more on visual anthropology, um, I could see that being a little bit more beneficial than like, say, my cultural anthropology. Um, I've definitely had to figure out how to pivot into the, into the space and like make it fit. And I've definitely found it really helpful, but I think that uh, maybe visual anthropology would have been a little bit more key. Um, and 
field archaeology was an interesting fit in there too. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think, yeah, human computer interaction, I would definitely recommend that. I think that'd be a great program. I've been you know, doing some, some reading about um, those programs as well. And they just, it's like a good meld, I think, between understanding behavior, you know, getting the anthropology in there so people can still nerd out on anthropology and not feel like they're leaving that behind. But it's thinking about it in a, I guess, a more sociocultural way. And how much do you think your art degree has, you know, contributed to what you're doing today? It definitely has. I think it, it definitely had a, a big impact on how I was able to move a little bit quicker into uh, learning these design tools, um, because I was already pretty familiar with you know, Illustrator, all the Adobe uh, tools, um, and understanding, having a, like a base understanding of composition and layout and form and function. Um, and I would say lighting and still life layout hasn't come up yet in, in UX design. I'm not sure it will, maybe it's in 3D modeling. Um, but I definitely think it, it has, a, has had a great impact and has helped me to just you know, more smoothly and more rapidly enter the, the UX space than I think, I think some others who might just be coming in from, a, from an anthropology background. Well, and maybe the lighting and still life will come in when you're designing for the metaverse. That's true. You never know. <laughs> So tell us, let's get maybe back to design a bit and, and your role, again, as one of the first people on who's like in more of a product design role, share what your, and you know, not, not your day looks like because every day is different, but like, could you just share a little bit about what somebody could expect from a role like that? Yeah, definitely. So, you know, day to day, week to week is, is different, but um, definitely a lot of meetings. So let's say lots of meetings. I think any designer researcher will probably say there's quite a lot of meetings, design critiques, reviews, uh, lots of collaboration with um, pretty much everybody. I mean, I, in my current role, I chat with foresters and climate scientists, as well as really collaborative with marketing, um, product management, engineers, probably closest collaborators is, is the developers, um, as well as PM. Even you know, customer service, uh, customer support, really partnering with, with everybody cross collaboratively. And so I think that's um, the number one thing that was kind of tough for me to figure out at first was who am I collaborating with? What do they do? And how can I best kind of fit in and collaborate with them easily to support them? And I feel supported. Um, so I think that's, that's a lot of my day is just talking with people about what are we working on? Uh, thinking about the user story, uh, talking to people, conducting interviews. I do a lot of uh, user interviews, um, launching surveys, qualitative and quantitative, um, you know, continually doing like rolling research, rapid, you know, iterative research to always learn and improve. Um, oh, and also, you know, in Figma, I spent most of my days in, in Figma um, doing a variety of things. Could be building a button for the, for the design system, um, I work at an early stage startup, so I'm the only designer, so I'm doing <laughs> a lot of different uh, parts. Um, and so I, I probably wouldn't recommend doing that for the first role is because you've got to figure out a whole lot of different random things. Um, but yeah, I do a lot of you know, design system work and then working in Figma to make the screens come to life, you know, putting text, writing UX writing, uh, writing really clear copy. Um, figuring out how to lay out the screen the best way, partnering with you know, engineering on that, learning about technical concerns, constraints, trying to learn a little bit of CSS so I can better support engineers there. Um, it's a varied, a lot of very uh, variance in my day, but mostly hanging out in Figma and talking to people about technical concerns. 
So one of the groups you mentioned talking to is marketing. And you know, that's an interesting one because you also mentioned UX writing. And in a sense, you know, UX writing is moving into the space that they would have once played in, right? Yeah. And other aspects of UX are as well, right? And, and certainly product management where, you know, a product manager is responsible for going to market and for growth. There's a lot that uh, ends up really sort of you know, finding its way into the marketing space. And so how do you find that relationship? Appreciating that every organization is different, but, you know, anything that you've learned there of how to work together? Yeah, you know, the number one thing that um, that I always do, especially when I'm starting at a new place and figuring out collaboration, um, like how people kind of work together is, I always like to ask people how they like to collaborate. Um, you know, some people are more Slack-based and they just want to send me a message um, and do like async communications. Some people want to have a meeting about it, um, you know, really see it, see like a really written report, um, thorough like thought process and see, you know, everything thought about um, so they can review it and have time to discuss in person and ask questions. And so I think that's the number one thing for, for me coming into a role is, and what I usually recommend people I chat with when trying to figure out collaboration is just talk to people first and figure out how they like to communicate and collaborate. Everybody does that different. Um, everybody wants to see a different, you know, deliverable or asset, if you will, like, you know, like a process, uh, maybe an agenda. Maybe someone just doesn't want a meeting agenda. <laughs> that's, I think that's the number one. Uh, f- first, figuring out how they want to communicate and collaborate, um, and then kind of meeting them where they are, you know, like using jargon-free language, trying to, um, I try to do that, is like not use these big design terms that can sometimes be like, wait, what does that mean? Um, let's just bring it down to like a base jargon-free level to make collaboration seamless. Um, also bringing in people early and often, making sure that you know your collaborators who, whatever project it is, bringing in marketing, um, if it's gonna be you know, public facing, bringing them in early on before you, know, you even start doing designs, exploring, exploring you know, user flows, make sure they're early on in the process. Same with engineers, bring, in, bring them in early because it helps people to feel ownership over the, the project or product first. And then you can make sure you're getting you know, technical concerns or constraints or effort and uh, all of that heard and understood first before you can dive into you know, the problem and maybe kind of pigeon, pigeonhole yourself in and now you're halfway through and you forgot to bring in marketing, uh, you left out a key piece. Um, so that's, that's my number one, it's always bringing in people early. It's never too early for your key stakeholders. <laughs> in terms of where design is going, anything that you know, you're following that you think, you know, maybe is a movement or a trend in design that you think is worth putting out there for others to, to noodle on? You know, something I, I've been reading a lot uh, more lately, um, I guess bo- both in the design and research space is um, like decolonial design, decolonizing design. Um, I've been reading a lot more of that lately, which is exciting because uh, that's kind of how I started in, in design space was bringing in the decolonizing um, uh, theory. Um, to my work. And so it's, I've been seeing a lot more books and articles about that. I know folks have been doing this for, you know, decades. And so it's just really great to see it kind of picking up more, I think on like LinkedIn and, and um, you know, Medium, I've seen a lot more chatter about it. So it's great to just see that. Um, I hope it kind of becomes more, I guess, mainstream. It's just people thinking more about the people, um, you know, thinking from a different perspective, including multiple perspectives, you know, where a lot of different narratives can meet. 
And that's one thing um, that I'm excited about. Something that I'm not too excited about is is a little scared of is the AI. I've been seeing a lot of that, um, like a lot of people using um, AI tools to support uh, the UX process and kind of speed it up and speed up different parts of you know both UX um, design and research. And so I I think that's a trend that uh, I'm going to be learning about cautiously, <laughs> but I definitely think there's going to be a, a rise um, of kind of AI tools that are going to support speeding up and like automating parts of the process uh, in UX. Aside from that, anything that any resources out there that you'd like to point people to? Yeah, you know, I'd say um, one of my favorite books that I've just recently reread, the the new edition is um, uh, by Erica Hall, uh, Just Enough Research. I recommend that. Um, I actually got it converted a few people at work to read that as well, um, because I was just quoting it all the time. And so I think that's a really great book just to, it's pretty, you know, short, um, easy read. Um, and it's just got so many uh, nuggets of, of great information on you know, user research and doing like rolling rapid, you know, iterative research and really kind of using, you know, using that to your advantage in a lot of different spaces, you know, startups, big tech, all of that. Um, another great book that I've uh, read a little bit ago is called uh, Race After Technology, um, Abolitionist Tools for the New Jim Code. Um, and that was a that was a great, uh, great book. Um, just learning about inequities in design and technology um, and how that works its way into products. And so that was this one I definitely recommend as well. Um, for people coming in from academia, one that was uh, key for me and I hear product managers talk about this all the time. So I recommend just getting familiar with it. It's called the mom test. Um, and that's just a, it's a pretty short listen or read, um, about doing rolling research, quick iterative research to make sure that you get evidence-based decisions uh, before just designing and doing something on a whim or trying to validate an assumption. Um, so I think that's a, that's a great, those are my recommendations, I think. Um, and if you're looking digital, DScout is a great tool, uh, resources online for, for research. Um, they're awesome. And so if anybody wanted to get in touch with you to talk more about your perspective, where could they find you? Yeah, feel free to find me on LinkedIn. Um, I'm also in a lot of the Slack groups that I, I mentioned. Um, feel free to ping me on there or LinkedIn. I'm always happy to chat, design, research, pivoting into the space. Um, happy to answer it all. Wonderful. Well, Victoria, thank you for your time. Appreciate you coming on. Yeah, thanks so much, Matt. Thank you all for listening to the Anthro to UX podcast. To learn everything you need to break into UX, visit anthrotoux.com. There you will find all the podcast episodes and career coaching resources. Please like, share, and subscribe. See you next time.